Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of the Mill Creek View newspaper. Howdy, Tennessee and the rest of the world. I'm Steve Abramowitz, and this is the Mill Creek View podcast. We are focusing on the volunteer state and our nation today with always an interesting person making a positive change in our community. This time, special guest Chris Spencer. Welcome to our People in the News, where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today, we are talking with Chris Spencer. Since 1991, Chris has been at the helm of a widely recognized business in the realm of college basketball. His years of dedication saw the organization of thousands of games globally, establishing him as a prominent figure in the industry. Now he aims to undertake a more profound role, serving his kin and community in Tennessee. The Greater Cincinnati Basketball Hall of Fame honored him as one of the decade's top 10 players in the 1980s. Married to Lisa, the couple has been blessed with two beautiful daughters, Caitlin and Brenna, I believe, and in recent years, three delightful grandchildren. Chris and Lisa relocated to Sumner County in 2004 and found their spiritual home at First Baptist Hendersonville. He contributes to the community as a board member of Hendersonville Homebound Meals, a remarkable organization that delivers over 100 hot meals daily. His mission is to stand up for the people advocating for clear limitations on government overreach. Yes. Hello, Mr. Spencer. How are you today? I'm doing great, Steve. Have, uh, thanks for having me on your podcast. This is awesome. And, and, Our and pleasure. I know you're, I, I followed you a little bit. I know you uh part Washington and part Tennessee, and, and uh, I've done some events in Seattle for Gonzaga, so I, I know Washington a little bit well there you go i'm more and more tennessee every day but thanks for acknowledging that and uh you got me blushing okay well you moved to hendersonville in 2004 so that's 20 years you joined first baptist uh the year before that was june carter cash's funeral were you there or did you or did you miss it well funny thing that you bring up the cash family um about eight years ago we actually uh were blessed there was a lot that opened up two houses from Johnny Cash's estate. Um, and we actually bought that lot and we built on that and we've been there for seven years. So I just walk out my door and there's Johnny Cash's old estate. We actually did get, this, I mean, it was sad, but we lived uh, in a, in a neighborhood that's close here. And we actually watched Johnny Cash's mansion burn down when it, when it ended up burning down. Um, oh gosh. Well, I was about 12 years ago, I guess. I, I took my girls to school and I saw smoke coming over towards the, the Cash Mansion. And I'm like, honey, I think Cash thing's on fire. And they were restoring. Barry Gibb ended up buying it of the Bee Gees. He had spent two years restoring it. And <clears throat> during the restoration, they just set the place on fire. It was it was a very sad day. Oh, that sad, is a sad day. Sad I week. didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, actor Robert Duvall, who Cash worked with in The Apostle, was in attendance at that funeral. Singers such as Ricky Skaggs, Trisha Yearwood, and Hank Williams Jr. Larry Gatlin of the Gatlin Brothers led the service, noting that Cash gave him his first chance at making it in the music industry. The Oak Ridge Boys sang Loving God, Loving Each Other, and Annie Lou Harris and Cheryl Crow sang Angel Band and On the Sea of Galilee in tribute to Cash. He was amazing. You live right there. Uh, known as the Man in Black, found uh, Light of Jesus Christ, uh, was married there and lived in Hendersonville, like you said, next door to you. Uh, Courtney Wilson was their pastor for 40 years, and he yeah. died in September of 2002, right before you got there. Um, tell us about your district's demographics besides Johnny's house. 
Well, yeah, so <clears throat> my district is all of Sumner County and all of Trousdale County, which is a more rural area. And, and Hendersonville is the main city of, of uh, Sumner County. And it's, <clears throat> we've really grown here over the past 10 years. We've doubled in size. A lot of people are moving here. A lot of country music stars live here because of, of the lake. We're called the city by the lake. Uh, but we're, we're experiencing, uh, um, you know, tremendous growth. But with that growth, we have a lot of infrastructure problems, as you can imagine, and a lot of traffic problems going to Nashville now. So, you know, it's not as fun uh, to go to Nashville here, but it's, a, it's an amazing place to live. I would say that we're definitely a, a very red county. Uh, we, we are just great Christian folks that believe in limited government. And uh, just to just to find folks that you want to you want to be around, you know? so we're just a typical red county that that loves America and wants to be America first. All right. And when you sat down with Lisa and made the decision and choice to run, why in the world did she let you get into this political game? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I kind of ask myself that every morning that I get up, <clears throat> why why am I doing this? Um, there's really not a short answer, so I'm going to give you the, 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 the right answer is we had a, a real problem here in the city of Hendersonville and Sumner County with our elected officials for the past 10 years. We went through four tax increases, and so a lot of the Christian, conservative, constitutional Republicans were, were a little frustrated. Um, and because we were just electing so many rhinos and they were doing things that, that we wouldn't wouldn't elect them to do so we decided to do something about that and kurt riley was the leader of that and i was one of the eight founding members of the the uh, sumner county constitutional republicans and we started that about five years ago and in that time of space we have run 44 candidates and we have won 34 races wow. so we in fact we've done so well that uh Mika and uh, Morning Joe uh, Scarborough have done a hit piece on our amazing uh, group of people. Um, you know, they don't they don't like the success that we've had here in Sumner County. And so a lot of liberals have, you know, how you know, when you have success and you do it the right way, they try to label you, you know, racist or white nationalist or or whatever, whatever they do. And we're just we're just good Christian folks. We get together every third Saturday and we have great speakers uh, come and we have good fellowship and we've grown. We went from eight to well over 400 now. And uh, so I was involved with asking and begging and pleading people to run for office, right? <clears throat> well, those same people asked me to run, you know? And so how do you turn that down? And I was semi-retired, um, ran a successful business and I sat down with my wife and we talked about it, I talked to my pastor and I, uh, uh, Pastor Chester, and I told him that, look, <clears throat> I want to serve God uh, as I retire or, and I thought of, I could serve God and be in government at the same time. So, so really that's my, my reason for running. Okay. Well, that's all the best reasons there could possibly be. Um, and if these last three years have shown us anything, it is how crucially important it is to have representatives who champion medical freedom, informed consent, and who will protect their constituents from government overreach. You wrote that. 
Um, I wrote a medical freedom bill uh, about bodily integrity. I gave it to many of the members of the assembly and the health committee. Uh, so I'm hoping Tennessee will protect us from big pharma and government. How would you do it? Well, uh, the first thing we can do is just elect me because my uh, my senator, the, the gentleman that I'm running against, served on the ad hoc committee uh, during COVID to study Governor Lee's powers um, and during an emergency. And instead of him telling the governor what he can do and what he can't do, he basically said, Governor, do as you please. And what the governor did was he made it, you know, a proclamation basically that the county mayors across the state um, can decide to do what they want at, at each county level. And of course, our county mayor um, supported mass mandates. And so we were mass mandates and we were on lockdown. Our churches were closed. Um, they they just made it very difficult for, for, for all of us, even in this red county. And so that's the first step is got to elect leaders that will stand up for our freedoms and 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 make make laws that we no longer would do this during a pandemic and such. So that's one thing I would do is I would make sure that, that we do not trample upon our constitutional rights and our medical freedom. And we like um, the other thing is, is we were very active, the SCCR short for our, our group during COVID because you, we couldn't get ivermectin in, in our county. The drugs would, would not prescribe them anymore. They were calling it forced paste and all this stuff. And <clears throat> even in here in Sumner County, and we were able to find one doctor that would prescribe it for us. And I can tell you, we saved uh, countless of people's lives, or at least they claim that. I know for a fact, well, one of my best friend's mother was in the hospital and getting ready to get intubated. And I said, get her out. And, and we'll get her ivermectin. And we did that. And within four days, she was almost fine. You know, and and our my senator uh, voted to uh, make sure that ivermectin was not going to be available in in Tennessee. And, and that's just that's just a, just a reprehensible, actually. And he was a pharmacist. Um, that's right. You wrote, you recognize that every person should have the right to choose their medical treatments free from undue influence or coercion. How are we supposed to be our own doctors with all their medical school training? For example, you mentioned that one, but I know remdesivir is awful for your kidneys and you shouldn't take it. Um, I had to learn that myself. I didn't go to med school, but doctors and nurses are still to this day prescribing it. Um, how how are we supposed to trust going into the hospitals in Sumner County or anywhere else? Well, I think I think the citizens need to start educating themselves. You know, I did I did that during COVID. I knew there was just something there was something about what was going on that I didn't buy. One because I don't trust government, right? And and so that's the first thing is we just got to learn that we're not supposed to trust government. But educate yourself and find doctors. That, that believe in freedom, right? And they were all over uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. You can find them on Facebook or on Twitter. And then the media started censoring them. And it, then it became really difficult. I mean, just, I mean, think about what our country went through there, <clears throat> through that time. Of course, this is, this was really my number one reason for running was the COVID issue because 
my opponent was the leader of that, being a pharmacist. He promoted everybody to get this experimental vaccine. And I, I was against that. Now, if you want to get your vaccine, fine. Uh, but what, what, what was going on in this country was <clears throat> they believe the science, get this vaccine, it's going to be 100% effective, and you're not going to get COVID, right? And they use that to coerce public to get this vaccine. And I never believed it. And uh, none of my family did. And, and most of our group for the SCCR never did. Um, but I feel bad for the people that were coerced. And our government should not be doing that. In fact, um, uh, Senator Hale drafted a letter during COVID and had 16 senators sign that, that letter and sent it out throughout Tennessee, basically blaming the unvaccinated people or the rise in COVID, and then basically stating that get this shot, you won't get COVID. Well, we know all of these things were wrong, but not one of them have apologized for the influence that they did on the public. And, and I, I think that needs to stop. And I think that how we do that is educate the public, find more information. Don't just believe one side, but, but search, you know, it's out there. Yeah, I figure somewhere out there with the Dead Sea Scrolls, they dusted off the uh, part of the Constitution that said that it will suspend everything in a pandemic or bad flu. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, let's face it, you, we, let's just be out. Since I'm not an elected official, I can ask this. You can answer it in which way you want since you're trying to be one. Vaccines and medicine are big, big business. How does a Republican Party that values free markets and capitalism supposed to rein in companies because it will take liability damages, messing with the Obamacare insurance coverage and enforcement, but, but you know, putting doctors in jail, possibly? I mean, how do you see it playing out? Well, I think the first thing as a legislator um, is that we need to, the, these, these uh, pharmaceuticals, these vaccine companies, they should have liability, right? I mean, they, they should... They should have liability and there, there should be a recourse for uh, people that take vaccines and, and they have injuries. So I definitely want to, um, if elected in, in Tennessee, I do want to be an option for vaccine injured that happened here in Tennessee for an outlet that they can do. Some people look, some people that I know, they can never work again. They can never work again. Yeah. Um, and so so what is what, what are we going to do? How are we going to help these? And they deserve, they they deserve compensation for for their suffering that, that they have gone through. I think there is some things, but look, <clears throat> just since running, of course, I didn't know how big this race was going to be. You know, when I when I said yes, I, I'll I'll do this race. <clears throat> well, some people think it's the biggest race that we've seen in ten years in Tennessee, and a lot of that is because I'm an outsider. And I'm taking on the second biggest, most powerful senator in the state of Tennessee, who was backed by big pharma and, and special interests. And I didn't realize how powerful these special interest groups were until you know recently, when I started seeing their financial disclosures and just to see what I'm up against. And, and it is huge, you know. It is, it, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't, ha I haven't taken cent of PAC money. And just last quarter, my opponent had 57 PAC monies. And there's new laws that were not even supposed to be contacting PACs. They passed new laws last year that makes it a felony if you try to 
you know, it, you know, get PACs to, to give your campaign money. So it is, it is a, it is a huge challenge for me to go up against all of this power, influence, and money. But that's why I'm going door to door, going straight to the voters, doing podcasts and radio shows, and tell them that look, we can win this race and we can beat one of the biggest establishment in Tennessee with your help. And that's what we need to do. He's been there 12 years and just some of the bills that he has, he has, he has passed, there's no way that people voted for him to do this. They don't even know that, right? So when yeah. that, that, that's the biggest part of that, what I'm trying to do now on social media is just educate the public of his voting record for 12 years. I'm not trying to attack him personally because I'm not. I think he's a nice man. But uh, but his voting record is definitely front and center and the, and the people need to know that. So so we're we're doing and we're we're doing a good job. We got <clears throat> big support from celebrities like John Rich um, that are that are helping us get our message out. And so we're really uh, I, I like the momentum and, and and I like where we're at in our race. Yeah, two years before he was elected, uh, the Democrats were in control of Tennessee for 140 years. So they must have elected him in the first place. And we'll get into his record in a second um, uh, because they didn't want what they were getting, but maybe they ended up getting exactly what they already had and uh, could use a breath of fresh air. So before we move on to that, um, mRNA is probably a scourge on this planet, uh, proven by countless peer-reviewed articles to be deadly blood clots, heart attacks, died suddenly for young people that were never at risk for COVID for some reason, we still don't know, unless you believe it was a bioweapon. How do we convince, say, the Attorney General of Tennessee to tell the FDA and the CDC to remove it from the market completely when they still re recommend boosters to prevent COVID uh, during this football well, game? Yeah, it's a good question because we know in Florida that that's exactly what they're doing. And, and in Texas, they're, they're filing a lawsuit against the uh, efficacy of the, the MR, MR, mRNA vaccine. <clears throat> so I think <clears throat> that opens the door for him because of our the borders, our red states, they're already pursuing that. Um, and I challenge him also. Uh, he's a nice man. I've, I've heard him speak very intelligent. Um, but I've also challenged him to do something on illegal immigration, like Texas is doing, um, because this is the time, right? I mean, that you know, we have. I think we've wasted a couple of years because we have a somewhat a conservative Supreme Court, so we need to pass laws now so that it'll climb up through the, you know, the court system, the appeals court, so that maybe the Supreme Court will hear some of these and that we can get things changed, you know, in this country, especially on like illegal immigration. There's a lot of things the state can do that they haven't, unfortunately. Um, I think I'll ask you that in a second. Um, just want to focus because healthcare is very important in Tennessee. People don't know this, but um, medical hospital chains, the biggest actually with HCA, pharma like Pfizer are huge forces in the Tennessee economy, more jobs than teachers in some counties. How do you plan as senator to tell them what they don't want to hear, that their jobs and corporations doing business here are at risk if they keep doing what we just talked about, we don't want them to do? Well, I don't know if I would uh, say that their jobs are at risk. I would say that, um, I mean, for me, I would like 
I would like them to not be as influential in our politics, uh, for sure. But I do think that they should be aware that, um, you know, there we need some accountability in the state of Tennessee. And uh, so I, I, I welcome uh, that accountability. I, I'm not I'm not for uh, threatening um, the, the these companies that, that they're going to lose their jobs, but I do think that we need some accountability for sure at, at the state level. Okay, so informed consent. Uh, the press has done a great job of limiting the informed part, and most people were scared into consenting. Should the media pay a price for this? And do you uh -huh. agree with? Yeah. Do you agree with Kennedy, uh, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul that Anthony Fauci should go to jail for his time at NIH? And would you back a suit of Tennessee, a state versus him personally, if no one else will do it? Well, yeah, I mean, I think he Well, look, he was in front of Rand Paul, what, two weeks ago, I guess. And he behind closed doors. You know, I hate I hate how that everything is done behind closed doors. And Anthony Fauci admitted that masking. Uh, didn't do anything. The, there was no science uh, to prove any of that. And of course, he, for a time, he was trying to tell people to double mask and triple mask, you know, and that social distancing, uh, there was no science behind that either. Um, I, I always felt that these people were put in position to take out Donald Trump. I, I did. I, I, I now he 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 put him in those position, and it was a it was a mistake of him. But our country was just doing so good, right? I mean, we I mean we we were doing amazing. We were defeating China, and all of a sudden this virus re released, and in the instead of the country getting behind everything, the media, and and all of these government people like Anthony Fauci and so forth, it was almost like a total conspiracy to take out Donald Trump. And I don't know how he, how he made it through throughout the presidency. He did make mistakes, but um, by hiring or allowing Anthony Fauci to take that over. Um, but he, I definitely agree with Rand Paul that what he has put our country through, there should, it's innocent until proven guilty, but there should be at least trial, right? I mean, so yeah. that evidence can be brought forth. What so about I the media? Support. The 100% on the media. I'm not so sure what, I, I haven't looked into it very well, but I, I mean, the media in the state of Tennessee, we give them access to the residents, the Tennesseans. And um, I'm not so, but what they did during COVID and what they've done um, to divide this country, I think they probably should lose their license. You know, some of them, NBC, um, MSNBC, um, CNN, uh, these are not media outlets anymore. These are propagandists for the Democrat Party, and they should probably lose their license. Hmm. It would be interesting to see how Tennesseans would feel if they lost their CNN or their Fox, but uh, you're not wrong. Uh, you wrote, the COVID-19 pandemic tested us all in a myriad of ways, and it was often government overreach that amplified the hardship rather than the virus itself. Chris believes that individual liberty should remain paramount even in times of crisis declared by the government. His vision is to stand up for the people, advocating for clear limitations on government overreach. What about Governor Lee's use of emergency powers? Do you think he abused them? And I ask because Washington, Governor Inslee, where I'm from, where Steve is sitting now, 
He held on to them for a thousand days when most counties had zero COVID cases and got some laws passed, including a mail-in ballot election that has some questions, let's just say, leave it for another show. Um, how do you think Lee did? Well, I don't think he did very well. And, and I know that everybody was under pressure at first, um, but I like to look at Christy Nome, okay? And how she ran her state um, during COVID. She was outspoken. She wasn't going to do what everybody else did around her. And she stood firm. And I respected that because she was right. You know, I mean, they, 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 they crucified her on a daily basis, right? I mean, but she stood, she stood fast and, and, and she never, she never backed down to the media. And, and I really respected that. Um, so I, you know, I think Governor. I Lee agree with you, of, by the way. I, I had never been to South Dakota. I may yeah. purposely drove through there on my way to Tennessee because of her and her um, libertarian leanings, let's just say, in the way that they didn't do that. And so I went to Mount Rushmore. I, it was absolutely the greatest chamber of commerce, tourism attraction uh, thing she could have done versus the other states that if I never go back, it's too soon, you know, whether that be Washington State, Oregon, or California. So you're right. She did the right thing, even though she had to suffer all of those slings and arrows uh, because they didn't want her to do the right thing. Yeah. So, so Governor Lee, he did he did uh, he did have these emergency powers and he, he kind of used them. He did it in a smart way for him. He, he put it on the counties individually. Right. He said, you know, I have the power, but I'm going to give this power to the counties and the counties were able to choose what they could do. And, you know, I thought that was. Obviously, I thought that was wrong. I mean, I, I thought that was kind of weak uh, to take that power and kind of hand it over to the county mayors, if you will. And, and that, that way, his hands were kind of clean, you know. And yeah. and and so our county, look, our county mayor shut us down. <clears throat> our churches were closed. It it, it was so bad. Even um, even our 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 church took down our volleyball nets. I live a mile from First Baptist, and we would go to play. That's what we did as a family. We still do that. That's that's our that's our pastime. We play sand volleyball, and they took the nets down so we couldn't play sand volleyball at my church. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is horrible. So we ordered our own nets, and we put them up every day. And we played we played during COVID. We were not going to let the government um, tell us what we could do as a family during this this time. Um, so I, I and, and again, you know, we, we own a home in Florida as well. And everybody, you know, Ron DeSantis was running and how he was the, the great king of COVID. Well, let me tell you, we weren't allowed to go on the beach in Florida for months. We couldn't even go walk on the beach. And I mean, it, it's just absurd. If you look back at what we all went through is, can they repeat this again and and i'm afraid i think i'm afraid they might be able to because because the people have already forgotten about this issue and it yeah. was only three years ago they've already forgotten yeah. about it not where i'm from they're still doing it you can see people driving alone in their cars with masks right now um but your own volleyball nets love it civil disobedience at its best um so mass mandates masks are mm -hmm. filthy don't work porous too too big to stop a microscopic germ. Would you ever comply if a mass mandate came back? 
Probably not. No, I, I didn't. I didn't really comply except when I had to travel. I <clears throat> I say that, but I had a big event in Seattle that I had to to do with Gonzaga in Alabama, and I had to never got the vaccine, so I didn't have my vaccine card. If you to go to Washington at the time, <laughs> you you had to have that card, a passport or whatever they called it, or you had to have a test within. 24 hours of you leaving uh, to 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 go to Seattle. So I took the test for the first time. I took a test, got on the airplane so I could, I had to give them that. So I get on the airplane and I get to Seattle and I have to give them this test to get in my hotel room. And then every time I wanted to eat in Seattle, I had to give them this test to show that I, 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 I mean, it was bizarre how locked <laughs> don't have down. to tell me about that we know about yeah. that yeah it, i mean it was so bizarre that that our rights were so violated i couldn't even get a meal they would kick me out if i, I didn't show that i mean it just <laughs> it it was not the united states of america no uh, my the, wife and, and i walked out of many restaurants because they were forcing it yep that's good yeah i mean so i i, I do i do fear that a majority of the folks will go back to it. Okay. Well, let's hope it doesn't happen. Um, friends of this show, John Rich, I've had on. Um, okay. Riley Gates, the swimmer that had to deal with the trans swimmer at University of Kentucky. She's been on. Robbie Starbuck, not yet. Um, and Summer County Constitutional Republicans uh, have endorsed you. What do they see you maybe uh, that Farrell Hale, also a Republican, isn't delivering? <clears throat> well, uh, for, for John Rich, it would be many things. And so so um, he would tell you this, that, that Farrell Hale supported red flag laws uh, during um, Governor Lee's special session uh, back in August. He would also... Um, there was a bill called 1944 a couple of years ago to get uh, porn out of schools and the libraries, and uh, Senator Hale did not support that. That was a that was a bill that that, that John was was behind. <laughs> and I think the third the cherry on the top is in 2021, Senator Hale passed sponsored and passed a bill. In uh, May, Governor Lee signed it to allow youth as young as nine years old to start taking puberty blockers oh, in um, in Tennessee. It became law, <laughs> and that's what Matt Walsh exposed uh, 16 months later. And um, so there's a lot of votes that are like that. I haven't even mentioned the illegal alien votes that he has made. So I would think that all of the conservative Republicans across the state, when they hear about these types of votes, uh, they're going to vote for me. I mean, it, I mean it, it's that simple. I mean, because that's a record that Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden are proud of. And, and I don't say that, uh, you know, laughingly. It, it's a fact. That, that those are really serious issues that Democrats support, that Republicans in a red state and a red county should not be supporting. It's interesting. He won re-election 72 to 28 in 2020 against John Gentry, who has been on this show. 
uh, John was an independent, not a Republican. You are actually running in the same party against an incumbent, kind of like Reagan versus Ford. Uh, do you think Republicans are regretting their vote for Farrell? That's a that's a landslide by any metrics. He beat the Democrat his first time, Maria Brewer, 70-30. Uh, definitely a mandate in D-18 to be conservative. Do you think they're regretting that vote? Well, the, the truth of the matter is he really hasn't been challenged in the Republican primary. So he's he, he got the seat 12 years ago because Diane Black ended up going into U.S. Congress. So he, he, he got that seat and really nobody has run. John Gentry ran as an independent uh, four years ago and basically had no money um, behind his campaign. And, and what did he get, like 28% or something like that? I can't remember. But Yeah. Which is probably uh, probably seventy two twenty eight in twenty twenty yeah. yep four years <laughs> yeah ago. so so I, you know I feel good because um, about our campaign because one um, we have a, a good grassroots now we've been in, we've been out there trying to get you know involved we have flipped the city of Hendersonville Alderman and Mayor we we have a majority on that we have a majority on the county commission. We have four on the school board, and and in March we think we'll add two or three more. So we probably will control the school board. Hallelujah um, yeah. for that. Sumner, Sumner is Sumner is God's country. I started with Johnny Cash and that church for a reason. I mean that that is amazing. If I wasn't here, I would probably be there. Um, and Hale has been there since 2012, so that's yeah. 14 years. Uh, he's on the education committee, ethics committee, chairman actually. Finance, ways and means, health and welfare, and rules. Uh, do you want to be on any of those? Healthcare makes sense for your background. Ways and means, they write the taxes. Um, and he was a pharmacist, and you have taken issue with pharma. Do you think he's maybe a little too pro-pharma over his constituents? Oh, yeah. Well, there's no question that he's he's become too pharma. I don't think he probably was that that bad when he got in there, but, but his votes here in the last, especially the last five years, <clears throat> he, he is definitely um, taking pharma o over the citizens. You know, <clears throat> I guess Sumner County and Trousdale has a choice, right? So we're going to work our tails off for seven months and we're going to just be positive on what we want to do. But we're going to focus on what he has done and they have a choice to make. And uh, we hope that they care about someone who wants to limit government. By the way, we didn't even talk about in those 12 years, we had a budget in 2012 that was 58 million billion, and and today it's it's doubled. So we're at 126 billion in in basically 10 years. Government has grown in Tennessee that much. Now we have increased by 10 percent our population. But we should not have a double over over 10%. So if you care about limited government, you care about medical freedom, you care about your Second Amendment, you care about illegal immigration, there really is only one choice. And so I see the four biggest issues. He's a he's on the wrong side of that. So if we get our message out, we're going to win. That I I I I, I firmly believe that. There's this new thing called the Tennessee Legislative Report Card. Yeah, they, I know. They, they, they rated him an F, F. That's for right. leadership and a 78 for vote score and 58.46% special interest campaign contributions uh, for what that's worth. 
Uh, five thumbs down on votes from 2023 session, they say uh, conservatives wouldn't like to know that. Um, and, and that was a and good he's, And he's invited on here anytime, by the way, yeah. to say what he wants about it all. Um, but lobbying is a natural part of the job in, of politics. Uh, we all know that. How do you plan to listen to their wants and temper them with what you think is right if you disagree? Well, I will only, um, I will, first and foremost, I'm going to follow the Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, the Tennessee Constitution. And, and secondly, I'm, I'm a Christian man. I've been a Christian for nearly 35 years. Um, Christ is going to, um, he's going to be there on everything that, that I would support. And lastly, I, I, I would not, <clears throat> I think we're, our legislators are getting a away with not telling their constituents what they're actually voting on, right? And I think there should be town halls or surveys done. I mean, we should not, I mean, should not be voting to give nine-year-olds puberty blockers without the constituents knowing that about that. Because I'm sure if a survey was sent out in 2021, I would imagine 95% of that, that survey would say, are you kidding me? You're not going to touch our kids with puberty. Yeah, and, and just so people know, he admitted that in his bill, SB 0126, children as young as eight <laughs> can take puberty blockers. Um, Have you found it helpful to your campaign message or maybe hurtful? I know it's only January. It's almost March. Uh, oh, sorry, almost February. Um, with the Christian conservative Republican moniker in your in your tagline, and you say, that's me, it's that simple. I'm a man of God looking to safeguard our constitutional Republican way of life. I'm a fighter, and I'm here to keep the establishment and the radical left from destroying Tennessee. Do you think that message is a bit uh, strong versus, say, here in Franklin, where I live, there was a mayor's race, and one of the aldermen had a very similar campaign slogan, and he got whooped. Um, yeah. Do you think Sumner is... Uh, more secular, or do they resonate with that Christian? Well, I would I would answer that it is strong, but it, it is who I am. Okay, so I would rather not conceal my identity and win based upon my identity, and and try to win by concealing it. And the way I look at it, if I win, it's God's will, and if I don't win, it's not God's will for me. And I'm. I'm fine with that. I'll just go back to being a grandpa. And and um, so I, I'm at a win-win uh, for that. Uh, I want to serve because I believe that my business career, I believe my, my Christian principles, my integrity, and my fighting, we haven't even talked about uh, my fighting spirit, um, will will be good for, for District 18. We'll be a lot better than, than what they have right now. Um, but no, I, I, I do not... I don't, I, that is, that, that, that is who I am. I, I can't hide my, my faith and my Christianity and I, and I won't, and I won't. You shouldn't. Okay, good. Um, in the wake of the covenant school shooting, Christian school, they want to limit our guns. The left does. Do you think we are getting the true story out of that tragedy? Or do you think there may be a misdiagnosis, psychiatric angle that likely includes prescription drugs and mental health, not guns, but punishing legal gun owners like me and you Second Amendment rights, but using it to infringe and roast politics. Well, here's the thing. Um, I know our governor um, wanted to have that special session. I don't know why we would um, try new legislation on our Second Amendment 
when we don't even have the facts for us, right? They've, they've concealed a manifesto. And why would we even argue if we're going to try to change gun laws based upon this one event, should we not have all the facts, right? And and so um, so there something there. I don't know what's in that manifesto except for the three pages that were that were released. And obviously this person was very troubled. Um, but we also know that she was a transgender, at least from what I, I gather. And I know we've had a lot of. Um, we've had a lot of violence in the past couple of years, like five, I think, that were from these folks that were transitioning. Whether that is drugs that, that is doing that, I'm not sure. Um, but look, I, I'm a Second Amendment supporter, so I don't support anything that takes my rights away because I believe that those are exactly what they are. They, they, they are my rights and, and they are God-given rights and they should not be trampled upon or anything. And it shall not infringe. You nail right. the rights. It's pretty straightforward. Okay, last question for you. Um, this is an older headline, but it'll make sense when I read it. With Tennessee's special session less than a week away, okay, that's past tense, it has been reported that Senator Senate Speaker Pro Tem Farrell Hale Republican Gallatin District 18 has drafted legislation to help prevent mass violence. According to the Tennessean, we know about them, Hale has been working throughout the summer to come up with a proposal that, quote, Covenant Families and the National Rifle Association can agree on, NRA. It's taken three months of working with this and talking with lots of people to try and come to something that is meaningful that will make a difference, said Hale. Nothing. Was it any good? Why isn't it back in the news now with new session? And I don't think the NRA and those families agree on very much. What would the compromise have been had that session worked out as he wanted? Well, it's interesting. I, I, he hasn't filed that, I don't think, in this session. He did file that. I think it's SB 7002, I believe it is the name of that. Um, it's interesting because if you go back to April, Senator Hale said we must do something after the shooting. And he said red flag laws were all on the table. And in May, he doubled down and said we're go we must do something uh, about uh, this. And then I, I entered the race. And he changed his tune just slightly. Um, that he it became more of a mental health issue. And his first draft, they were going to come in and take the guns, right? Well, that was that was, you know, that was a no-no or Sumner County, you just can't come and take our guns. But that bill that he submitted, instead of taking the guns, they take people, right? So mm -hmm. they, they they take the, in his bill, they they would they would take the people, and, and, and it's very vague. It talks about a verbal threat, or even on like a social media, it can be a witness that, that does it. And so they come in under his bill, they take, the threat out, put him in prison, and then it's up to a judge to decide whether he can have bail or not, okay? And then while that judge happens, this has been in the stories that there's an investigation that would take place in this person's life. And guess who does the investigation? Homeland Security. <laughs> so Homeland Security comes in, and, and they are the ones that does the investigation. And, and Hale actually admits it will be a significant 
amount of money that would be gone going to Homeland Security in order to do this bill. Now, I don't believe he's filed it again, and I suspect it's because he, ha he has a tough race right now. So, so, so there are things. There's that, that are, and there's the fact that Lee wants vouchers and vouchers, two, he does. two bills and, that spend us into oblivion are probably not a good idea at the same time. Well, he, and, and Senator Hale has come out in support of vouchers like uh, two months ago before we haven't even seen the language, you know, and now yesterday they actually mistakenly filed it for a few minutes. So we, we know what's in it now. And then they took it back because it was a mistake. Um, but, but Senator Hale, he endorsed that without even reading the language, just because Governor Lee wants wants vouchers, and and so for me, I have to read the bill. I just I would have to read the bill and 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 go through it, and yeah. and it you can't you can't run you can't run those plays on the basketball court if you haven't read the playbook. I totally yeah. got it. Well, Mr. Spencer, good luck on the trail. Hope to have you back sometime, maybe as a winner. Um, okay. But thank you for your time. We are at the end here. So tell everyone where they can go to find out more about you and follow your campaign. Yeah, so you can go to my website, which is chrisspencerforsenate.com. And uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. And uh, we look forward to uh, answering any questions. I'm very accessible. You can send me an email or, or give me a call. I put my cell phone out on a mailer. So they all have it. All right. Well, good luck. And thanks again for coming on. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Steve. Hi, this is Ben Cunningham with the Nashville Tea Party. You are listening to the Mill Creek View Tennessee Podcast. Any views or opinions represented on the podcast are personal and belong solely to the creator and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the creator may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. I don't understand. Welcome to the Steve and Steve segment of our show. Producer Steve, what did you think of our guest? Chris Spencer. Oh, I enjoyed it. And uh, I'm going to read something real quick here, Steve. Can you hear me, by the way? Yeah. Okay. It says, Lord Acton, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Great men are almost always bad men, even when they exercise influence and not authority. Still more when you super add the tendency of the certainty of corruption by authority. Yeah, or as our friend Brandon Lewis always tells us, their first election, they are very uh, aware of their constituents. They'll take their calls by the second one about 50% of the time. By the third time, they are totally bought in with the lobbyists. They never speak to their, their folks. And so guess what? This would be right around that time when um, Senator Hale is up for re-election. So you ever see the movie Terminator where the machines rise up and kill everyone? Uh, yeah, I've watched all of them, but the last, last one, we watched five okay. of them. Well, you got to see them all because they all matter, but science fiction, right? Or maybe science fact coming soon. I'll be back. Industrial robot crushes man to death in South Korean distribution center. This article uh, is about two months old. Machine apparently identified man inspecting it as one of the boxes it was stacking. 
A robot crushed a man to death in South Korea after the machine apparently failed to differentiate from the boxes of produce it was handling. Oops. The Yonhap News Agency reported on Wednesday, the man, a robotics company worker in his 40s, was inspecting the robot sensor operations at a distribution center for agricultural produce in South Jingsang province. The industrial robot, which was lifting boxes filled with bell peppers and placing them on a pallet, appears to have malfunctioned and identified the man as a box. Yon Hap reported, citing the police. The robotic arm pushed the man's upper body down against the conveyor belt, crushing his face and chest, according oh. to Yan Hap. Sorry, Dave. All right, clip number one, please. All right. Your thoughts on violence on the screen and all that's interesting because that uh, clip we showed from Psycho. Uh, was from a film that was edited quite a bit when it was shown on primetime television. Some of the scenes were considered too... Some moments of scenes were considered too awful to show. In how those do you, days. How do you feel about that? Well, there's more permissiveness today, but don't forget that's ten years ago. Things were quite different then. You, you think if they showed Psycho now, they would, they would be able to show every scene oh, that you I shot? Oh, I think so, without a question, sure. Really? I, I doubt that, because they were, they were rather worried that we were showing anything tonight from that... Well, there's a different approach for television than there is for movies. Oh, yes, I meant on television, that on television... Ah, no, no. Television, the same conditions apply to Still, yeah. Yeah, I see. I didn't make uh, But that I'm surprised, clear. really, that uh, in English television, when I was over there, they allow a certain amount of nudity on English television. Complete nudity on English television. Yes, considering yeah. the weather over there, I'm surprised. <laughs> that was Alfred Hitchcock on the Dick Cavett Show. Uh, think about what's on TV now compared to that conversation then. Birds is actually quite tame. Um, how did he feel about working with humans as actors? Let's hear clip number two. I've always said that actors are cattle, actually. But uh, at least the birds do as they're told, especially uh, crows. We had some wonderful crows. One was um, named Corvus, which I think is the Latin word for crow. And Corvus would uh, act on cue beautifully every time we wanted him to do something. We're seeing the birds at the end of this month, on the mm -hmm. 29th, I believe it opens in London. But of course, it's been seen in Cannes, where it was rapturously received by the critics. Was, did this surprise you to get such a, a tremendous reaction from a film about birds? Well, um, I don't think so. I think that um, birds are very useful animals. They make awfully good dinners. <laughs> cattle, right? I wonder how Jennifer Lawrence or George Clooney think of themselves as cattle. Yes. Like High-priced cattle that sing and dance. And that's likely why we have this now. An agency created an AI model who earns up to $11,000 a month because it was tired of influencers who have egos. Atana Lopez is an AI-generated creation by a Spanish agency that grew tired of booking real models. Lopez can make just over 1,000 euros or $1,090 per advert and is featured in images of FanView. FanView CEO previously told Insider that AI-generated characters would thrive and become common. A Spanish modeling agency said it's created the country's first AI influencer who can earn up to 10,000 euros or $11,000 a month as a model. Euronews reported the news based on an interview with Ruben Cruz, founder of the Barcelona-based modeling agency The Clueless, 
which created the influencer. The AI-generated woman, Atana Lopez, is a pink-haired 25-year-old. Her account has amassed 124,000 followers on Instagram. Fools told Euronews he decided to design Lopez after having trouble working with real models and influencers. Quote, we started analyzing how we were working and realized that many projects were being put on hold or canceled due to problems beyond our control. Often it was the fault of the influencer or model and not due to design issues, he said. Jeez, just imagine working with David Lee Roth and having only green M&Ms at the concert. Those are the days are <laughs> gone. He did it so that he could make a better living and not be dependent on other people who have egos, who have manias, or who just want to make a lot of money by posing, he added. At the time of publication, 56 photos had been shared on Lopez's Instagram account. Images of her dressed in lingerie have also been posted on FanView, a subscription platform similar to OnlyFans. Her most recent Instagram stories show her drinking cocktails on a night out and going to the gym. The agency created the images using Photoshop. Cruz said she was created with a personality and based on what society likes most, per Euronews. She is described as a strong and determined woman and a passionate Scorpio with a love for video games and fitness in a post on agency on in a post on the agency's website. She can make just over a thousand euros per advert and earns anywhere from three thousand euros to ten thousand euros a month. While Aristotle you, you is, know, Yeah, I'll, go ahead. I'm gonna just interject real quick here. Uh, years ago, they used cartoons, Tony the Tiger, Snap, Crackle, Pop, the Leprechaun, and, they, and the uh, Toucan, uh, the, uh, the, the beaked um, parrot, whatever he was. They sold a lot of products with cartoons. I just go back yeah. to using cartoons. Joe Camel, the cigarette yeah. guy, uh, Mickey Mouse, who just lost his uh, public domain, so anybody can use Mickey Mouse now, made billions of dollars, but they yep. lost that. Uh, another hit to the broadside of Disney. Um, yes, indeedy. And, of course, the government sued Joe Camel out of existence because they yeah, were catering to children, all of, as if Tony the Tiger isn't selling sugar to children as well. <laughs> anyway, we'll do that another day. But yes. um, moving on. While Aristotle is decidedly more bourgeois than Plato, he too is contemptuous of egalitarian excesses, which manifest themselves in democratic extremism and selfish individualism. Aristotle notes that some democracies are so extreme that they actually undermine the existence of the state and hence do not survive as long as a moderate democracy. He writes with great eloquence on that false conception of liberty which has so often seduced our people. In democracies of the type which is regarded as being peculiarly democratic, the policy followed is the very reverse of their real interest. The reason for this is a false conception of liberty. There are two features which are generally held to define democracy. One of them is the sovereignty of the majority. The other is the liberty of the individual. Justice is assumed to consist in equality and equality in regarding the will of the masses as sovereign. Liberty is assumed to consist in doing what one likes. The result of such a view is that in these extreme democracies, each individual lives as he likes, or as Euripides says, for any end he chances to desires. This is a means conception of liberty. To live by the rule of the Constitution ought not to be regarded as slavery, but rather as salvation. 
Is this not a very neat summation of the ills of modern liberalism? I would argue that the West was already severely infected by the 1930s before metastasizing to an absurd degree from the 1960s onward. Thus today, liberals express only desire only for equality and solidarity, all the while destroying the very foundations for these ends through multiculturalism and open borders. Mm -hmm. These being fanatically imposed with the most short-sighted bigotry. Aristotle provides a powerful rationale for a modern constitutional regime of responsible citizen soldiers contained by an enlightened basic law. In the coming ethnostate, the basic law will necessarily prescribe the preservation of the identity and ethnic genetic interests of the European peoples as an inviolable imperative to be enforced by judges and perhaps a military spiritual order or one of soldier scientists dedicated to that end. Hello. In any event, Aristotle clearly articulates how homogeneity, a common identity, and a sense of peoplehood are social goods necessary to citizenship, solidarity, and freedom from tyrannical government. Diversity is not our strength. He argues for good government oriented towards the common interest as opposed to towards individual rights, caprice, and equality as ends in themselves, ancient Greek politics can only seem authoritarian or even totalitarian to modern liberals. In fact, the politics of the Greek city-state is nothing more than that of the assembly, paterfamilias, come together to fulfill their sacred responsibility to protect, discipline, and educate their kinfolk toward the good. Aristotle's grim observation of diversity are worth repeating. Unassimilable immigration can only lead to conflict, conflict which can only end through separation, separation which can only occur through the expulsion either of the invaders or the natives from their ancestral lands. Wow. Who said that? That's what's going Aristotle. You heard of him, right? Yeah, but I mean, who wrote the article that you're reading? Me. Wow. Good stuff, Steve. Not an article. Just a just a just a stream of consciousness. I got big words in my head. Okay, now back to small words. The FBI stole millions from individuals who are not charged with a crime. The victims are suing. An FBI raid on private safe deposit boxes has triggered a significant legal battle over civil asset forfeitures and the lengths to which federal authorities can use the practice, which has often been referred to as policing for profit. The outcome of the court proceedings could turn this into a landmark case that helps to further define the parameters in which federal law enforcement can use the controversial procedure. FBI agents cataloged Cartier bracelets, Rolex watches, and stacks of cash as they combed through safe deposit boxes seized from a Beverly Hills business accused of money laundering, but the owners of many of those boxes were not accused of any crimes. After hearing arguments from both sides, a panel of judges from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, the most overturned court in the land, will decide whether the sweeping raid violated customers' Fourth Amendment's rights. I think the public sees this and recognizes that this is just a total abuse of people's constitutional rights. Institute for Justice Senior Attorney Rob Johnson told Fox News, adding that he felt extremely optimistic about the panel's forthcoming decisions 
On March 22, 2021, the FBI seized around 1,400 safe deposit boxes from U.S. private vaults, a Beverly Hills-based company that, according to court documents, was regularly used by unsavory characters to store criminal proceeds. Hmm. Hmm. Agents took about $86 million in cash from the boxes, as well as a trove of jewelry, gold bars and coins, silver and other valuables. In May of that year, the FBI commenced administrative forfeiture proceedings against an unspecified number of the boxes, according to court documents. Hopefully, the court will rule in favor of liberty. Such a decision could further limit the state's ability to violate the most basic of the constitutional wow. rights. All right. All right. Stay tuned for my thoughts of the day. Hello, everyone. Benny Smith, longtime election integrity advocate, former Shelby County Elections Commissioner and now State of Tennessee Election Commissioner. And you're listening to the Mule Creek View, Tennessee podcast. for my quotes for the day. Before I share, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to Mill Creek View podcast. Just go to Rumble or Spotify or iTunes, search for Mill Creek View and hit the subscribe button. And I really hope you like it. I predict future happiness for Americans if they can prevent the government from wasting the labors of the people under the pretense of taking care of them. Thomas Jefferson. People shouldn't be afraid of the government. Government should be afraid of their people. Alan Moore, V for Vendetta. Every gun that is made, every warship launched, every rocket fired signifies in the final sense a theft from those who hunger and are not fed, those who are cold and are not clothed. This world is arms is not this world in arms is not spending money alone. It is spending the sweat of its laborers, the genius of its scientists, the hopes of its children. This is not a way of life at all in any true sense. Under the clouds of war, it is humanity hanging on a cross of iron. Who said that? I do not know. I don't know, Steve. That's a great Dwight quote. D. Eisenhower. Wow. Republican president. Government exists to protect us from each other. Where government has gone beyond its limits is in deciding to protect us from ourselves. Ronald Reagan. That's it for this episode. Thank you, Chris Spencer. Keep on fighting the good fight. Somebody's got to do it. This is Goodbye for Now. I am your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of mcview.us. See y'all tomorrow. We're only one minute over. Peace in our time and definitely glory to God.
Any views or opinions represented on the podcast are personal and belong solely to the creator and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the creator may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.